that's what he asked him to do. And, uh, and he was wronged. He, he, was, he was the wronged party. He was the offended party. Yet Paul asks him to, to make a choice to forgive and to love and to restore somebody, to accept somebody. And, uh, and it, is, it really is a, a neat little book. Um, kind of like our service tonight, I feel like my sermon is going to fit right in. It's probably going to be a little discombobulated. Um, because I, I, I've just been thinking about it, reading through it. We're not going to preach through the whole book tonight. Um, I, but I've just been thinking about it and so just some different themes and some principles in the book. And so uh, I just kind of want to give you an overview, just kind of throw some principles at you tonight. And then we'll start, and then later on we'll go through it verse by verse and kind of look at it. But um, if you just look at verse number one, Philemon, the book of Philemon says, Paul, a prisoner of Jesus Christ, and Timothy, our brother, unto Philemon, our dearly beloved and fellow laborer, and to our beloved Apphia, and to Archippus, our fellow soldier, and to the church in thy house, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God, making mention of thee always in my prayers, hearing of thy love and faith which thou hast toward the Lord Jesus and toward all saints, that the communication of thy faith may become effectual by the acknowledging of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. For we have great joy and consolation in thy love, because the bowels of the saints are refreshed by thee, brother. Um, I guess real quick, I could just give you a little bit of an outline of the book. In verses 1 through 3, you have Paul's greeting, where he greets this, this friend of his, Philemon. In verses 4 through 7, you have Paul's thankfulness. I find it interesting in verse 4, and I feel like it, it seems like this is true of Paul's writings, but in verse 4, notice what he says. He says, I thank my God, making mention of thee always in my prayers. And I was thinking about it, and I think thankfulness will drive us to pray for people. I think a lot of times we don't pray for people because in all honesty, we're not truly thankful for them. But when we are honestly thankful for somebody, they will be on our heart, they will be on our mind, they will be a part of our thought process, and we will naturally pray for them. And I think that's what Paul's saying. I think Paul has said that in several other books at the beginning of his books. I am thankful for you, and because of that, I pray for you. And I think just naturally that thankfulness that Paul had for Philemon caused him to pray for him. So here you had this Paul's thankfulness in verses 4 through 7. Um, and then in verses 8 through 21, you have Paul's beseeching, which we'll kind of look at that here in just a second, just kind of read through that. And then in verses 20 through, through 24, you have Paul's conclusion. There's only 24 verses here. And in verses 20 through, through 24, you have Paul's conclusion. It's interesting. Paul mentions a lot of people in this book. In verses 1 and 2, he mentions three. He mentions, or four. He mentions Timothy. Well, I guess you could say five. I'm sorry. He mentions Jesus Christ. Then he mentions Timothy. Then Philemon, Apphia, Archippus. If you were to go to the end of the book, starting in verse 23, you will find Epaphras, then Marcus, Aristarchus, Demas, Lucas. He mentions a lot of people that were here at this church, friends, people that he served with, people that mattered to him. I find it interesting that he mentions so many people. But what's interesting is in verses 1 and 2, you have Philemon, Apphia, and Archippus. Now, 
This book is written to Philemon. Philemon historically is thought to be a wealthy man. What he did, we do not know. But he is thought to be a wealthy man. Um, in verse 2, it says that the church was in his house. So he had enough house space to have the church meet at his home. Um, and he is referred to as a fellow laborer. A fellow laborer. Literally, it means to labor alongside of. Um, and, and hopefully later on, we'll, we'll talk more about this, this idea of being a fellow laborer, but have you ever worked with somebody and hated every second of it? Have you? But let me ask you this. Have you ever worked along some, aside somebody else, though, and it was fun? It was enjoyable? Um, even maybe the work isn't enjoyable. Maybe the work is awful. But because of the one that you're alongside of, the fellow laborer that you're with, it makes all the difference. Um, I mean, I, I, I think of when we were putting on Brother Arston's metal roof and we're out there in the wind and the storm and the rain and everything else and pastors up there falling through skylights and Dustin's up there. Um, Wesley was out there. Um, I know he, Dustin had a few, a couple guys, I think one day that, that worked for him out there at the farm that were helping. Um, who else was out there? You guys came out? Yeah, Jeremy was out there uh, one day. Um, just, just putting on a roof. And man, we just had fellowship. It was fun. We were working. And here, that's how Paul refers to Philemon. As a fellow laborer in the ministry, they were serving and working alongside of each other. And Philemon was a friend. And then in verse 2, you have this, this, this female, this, this lady named Apphia. And um, some people have thought her to possibly be the daughter of Philemon. Maybe his wife. Um, not really sure. But, but she is mentioned. And then you have Archippus. And Archippus is referred to as a fellow soldier. A fellow soldier. This word fellow soldier literally means to be entrenched alongside of. This isn't just, hey, yeah, we fought together. No, 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 no. This is we are encamped. We are entrenched. We are in the thick of it together and we're not leaving. There's no out. We are committed together. And here, Archippus is thought to be either the pastor or an, an official, maybe a deacon or some kind of leader in the church at Colossae. He's also thought to be uh, Philemon's son. But in, um, in Colossians chapter 4, verse 17, Paul tells Archippus, to fulfill the ministry that God had given him. So some people think maybe he was the pastor of the church. We don't really know. What I do find interesting is this. We don't know what Philemon did for a living, but we do know he was of some importance because we're about to see another name, and that's Onesimus. And Onesimus was a slave of his. So he had a house that the church met in, and he also had slaves. He had servants. I don't know what he did to make his money, but I do find this interesting. The name Archippus means master of horses. And I was thinking about it one day, and I was like, maybe they raised horses. The Romans used horses. Horses were a big thing. 
And I thought, well, maybe they restored it. I mean, I don't know. Maybe they didn't. I don't know. I just found it interesting that that's what they named him, and that's what his name meant. But so here you have Philemon, Paul's friend, the one he's writing this letter to. You have this young lady, Apphia. And now you have Archibus, possibly this pa the pastor of the church at Colossae. And Paul is writing this letter to Philemon. And he's greeting the house of Philemon. So now... You have that greeting of Paul. You have Paul's thankfulness in this prayer that Paul has. And then in verse 8, you find Paul's beseeching. Look at verse 8. He says, Wherefore, though I might be much bold in Christ to enjoin thee that which is convenient, yet for love's sake I rather beseech thee or beg of thee, being such an one as Paul the age, now also a prisoner of Jesus Christ, I beseech thee for my son Onesimus, whom I have begotten in my bonds which in time past was to thee unprofitable, but now profitable to thee and to me. You know what's really interesting? Onesimus, you know what Onesimus' name, what his name means? Does anybody know? It means profitable. It's interesting, Paul tells Philemon, I realize Onesimus was unprofitable, but he has now become profitable. Why was Onesimus unprofitable? Because he stole from his master. Onesimus, being a slave or a servant of Philemon, had stolen from him and ran. And he runs to Rome. One book I read, the, the commentator said, he probably ran to Rome to hide and to get away in the masses of people. He'd be hard to find there. But it's interesting, God had other plans. Yeah, in, in a city of thousands, hundreds of thousands of people, God works it out to where Onesimus crosses paths with Paul, and he gets saved, and he gets saved. And so now, Paul, and, and you'll see this here in, um, in verse 12, it says, whom I have sent again. So he is sending Onesimus back. Thou therefore receive him that is, or as the same as mine own vowels, whom I would have retained with me, that in thy stead he might have ministered unto me in the bonds of the gospel, but without thy mind would I do nothing, that thy, that thy benefit should not be as it were of necessity, but willingly. So here's what Paul's saying. I was going to keep Onesimus and let him minister. He got, I led him to Christ. He, he, got, he was starting to get involved in the ministry. He's here with me. He was ministering to my needs. But you know what, Philemon? He needs to make things right. And I'm, gonna, I'm sending him back. And Paul here tells Philemon, he says, listen, Philemon, I'm not necessarily telling you to do this. I'm asking you to do this willingly. I'm asking you to do this willingly, to receive him and to restore him as a brother in Christ rather than as a servant. And so Paul is making this request to Philemon to restore Onesimus. And so um, he goes on, he says in verse 14 or verse 15, for perhaps he therefore departed for a season that thou shouldest receive him for after. Now not as a servant, but above a servant, a brother beloved, especially to me, but now much more to thee, both in the flesh and in the Lord. If thou count me therefore a partner, receive him as myself. If he hath wronged thee or oweth thee aught, put that on mine account. I, Paul, have written it with mine own hand. I will repay it, albeit I do not say to thee how thou owest unto me even thine own self, Beside. So here, Paul is continuing to make this request to Philemon as he sends Onesimus back to him. 
I want you to think about a couple things. Take your Bibles, go over to Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. <clears throat> and look at verse 30. Ephesians 4, verse 30. Here, Paul says, And grieve not the Holy Spirit, whereby ye are sealed until the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. Now, here's the thing. If you were to take verse 31 and study it, you will find that those words are compounding. They are progressive. They are, they are progressively getting worse. Okay? And they build off of each other. When you don't put away bitterness, you will experience wrath. And when you don't put that away, it grows to anger. And then it grows to clamor. And then evil speaking. And then malice. Those things grow. So then in verse 32, Paul concludes with this. And be ye kind. So put away these things and be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another. How? even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. What an amazing verse. And we quote this verse. We use this verse, but whoa, hit the brakes. When the rubber really hits the road, how easy is verse 32? Now, the perspective is this of verse 32. If God, who is holy and righteous and has every right to judge me for my sin and my wickedness, can forgive me, how can I not forgive you? That's how I'm supposed to look at forgiveness. If God can forgive me, then I should be able to forgive you. In the book of Philemon, Paul takes this verse and makes it extremely practical. This is what he's asking Philemon to do. Philemon is legally wronged. Onesimus has taken from him. He has run away as his property, as a servant or a slave. And Philemon has every right to judge or to discipline Onesimus. And Paul understands that. But Paul is asking for something different. He's asking for forgiveness and restoration. He's asking for Philemon to practice verse 32 of Ephesians 4. To be forgiving, to be kind, to be tenderhearted. To be tenderhearted. Um, take your Bibles, go over to um, Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter number 10. And look at verse 25. You'll know this passage, passage of Scripture. Verse 25, the Bible says, And behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tempted him, saying, Master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? He said unto him, What is written in the law? How readest thou? And he answering said, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy, thy strength and with all thy mind and thy neighbor as thyself. And he said unto him, Thou hast answered right. This do and thou shalt live. But he, excuse me, willing to justify himself, said unto Jesus, And who is my neighbor? Don't you love people like this? Yeah? You like these people that God puts into your life who, my kids are like this. 
especially my teenager. Um, he likes to ask questions and then ask questions and then ask questions and talk in circles. And um, which that's fine. I understand. He wants answers and different things. I get that. But this guy is trying to put Jesus into a pickle. He's trying to catch him. He's trying to trick him. So in verse 30, Jesus answering said, a certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves, which stripped him of his raiment and wounded him and departed, leaving him half dead. And by chance, there came down a certain priest that way. And when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. And likewise, a Levite, when he was at that place, came and looked on him and passed by on the other side. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, now do you know who the Samaritans are? They're half-breeds. They're not full-blooded Jews. They were dogs. They were looked down upon. Remember when Jesus met the woman at the well? That was in Samaria. That was beneath them. Yet Jesus went there anyway. The Samaritans were looked down upon. And so here it is this Samaritan who stops as he journeyed, verse 33, says came where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion on him and went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring in oil and wine and set him on his own, be own beast and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And on the morrow, when he departed, he took out two pence and gave them to the host and said unto him, take care of him and whatsoever thou spendest more, when I come again, I will repay thee, which now these three, th now, now Jesus asked, which now these three thinkest thou was neighbor unto him that fell among the thieves? And he said, he that showed mercy on him, then said Jesus unto him, go and do thou likewise. Here you have the, the good Samaritan. And we, we all know this story, but I, I, just, I just simply want to stress the idea that this Samaritan didn't have to do anything. He was not necessarily responsible. He had every right to pass over to the other side or to step over this Jewish man and go on his way and go about his business. But yet he inconvenienced himself, went out of his way to be of assistance to this man and to help him, to show mercy and compassion to him. And that's exactly what Paul is asking Philemon to do. Paul is asking Philemon to show compassion, to allow himself to be wronged, and to restore Onesimus. That's what he's asking Philemon to do. Um, if you were to go to, um, oh, where did I write it down at now? Remember Matthew 18? Remember the, the, the unfaithful servant who owed his master a ridiculous amount and his master forgave him? What did that servant do the second he left? He found somebody else that owed him pennies. Threw him in prison. Threw him in prison. You know, many times we can be, I don't know if calloused is the right word. I don't know if snobbish is the right word. I don't know if insensitive is the right word. I don't know if uncompassionate is the right word. But sometimes we act like that servant. God has forgiven us of so much, yet we struggle to overlook the things of other people in our lives. 
I was telling pastor after the service this morning that at the, at the um, worker appreciation dinner that we had, um, if you notice, there, were, there was a homeless lady that came in to get water. And I'll tell on myself. I walked over. Pastor was like, hey, you need to check on her. So I went over, and I checked to see what was going on. And um, I had seen them walking down the road on my way, to, way here that night. And um, she said, oh, I'm just, I'm just getting some water. And then she said, hey, can we have some food? And I looked at her, and I said, no. I said, we are having a dinner for some people in our church. I said, you need to leave. And they left. I don't know, it was like two days later. I'm slow. But uh, about two days later, I'm reading through the book of Philemon, and God's like, hey, why didn't you give her the gospel? Hey, why didn't you give her a track? God's like, hey, you had a whole bunch of chicken and stuff left over. Would it really have hurt to give her some food? And I'm like, I'm driving down 34, and I'm going, man, I'm such a jerk. And God just smote me with that. And sometimes we act that way towards people. We're just about our business. We're about our thing. And, and we just don't have the time to show the compassion or the kindness that we need to show. And that's what Paul is asking Philemon to do here with Onesimus. Really, one last thing, and I'm done for tonight. Go back to, if you're not there, go to the book of Philemon. I want you to see something about Philemon's character. Any of you know where the phrase, a pound of flesh came from? Anybody? Where? The Merchant of Venice. Does anybody know what the Merchant of Venice is? It's Shakespeare. It was a play written by Shakespeare. And one of the main characters in that was demanding a pound of flesh for repayment. And it was a literal pound of flesh. That's where it came from. But don't worry, we'll, we'll, we'll read some of it tomorrow. Um, do they have that in Missouri? No. I know you took that hunting. You'd be out there in the woods waiting for the squirrels reading Shakespeare. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I got the cliff notes in high school. Um, Philemon could have requested his pound of flesh, could he not, of Onesimus. This is what one person wrote about Philemon. His character, as shadowed forth in this epistle, is one of the noblest which the sacred record makes known to us. He was full of faith and good works, was confident, obedient, sympathizing, benevolent, and a man who, on a question of simple justice, needed only a hint of his duty to prompt him to go even beyond it. Look at verse 21 of Philemon. Notice what Paul says to Philemon. Having confidence in thy obedience, I wrote unto thee. Watch this. Knowing that thou wilt also do more than I say. What a testimony to Philemon's character. 
Paul says, I am writing to you, Philemon, with confidence. Number one, that you will obey, that you'll actually do what I'm asking you to do because I know your character. Paul says, Philemon, friend, I know you well enough to know that what I'm asking you to do, you will take it upon yourself to do it. But not just to do it, but to go beyond, to actually do more than I say. Now, we like those kind of employees, right? We like the employees that when you give them a job to do, they don't just do it, but they go the extra mile. You know, they, they finish it out properly or, you know, they, they make it extra nice or they add that one little detail or, you know, they make sure every aspect's done or maybe they get it done, but then they clean up or whatever it is. We like it when people go that extra mile. And Paul here says about Philemon, Philemon, I know, number one, that you're going to do what I'm asking you to do because I know the kind of guy you are. But you know what? I know that you're also going to do more than I'm asking of you. What that meant with Onesimus, I don't know. I don't know. But I know that Philemon's character was one of going beyond what was actually asked of him. And what a testimony. What a testimony. And so we're going to look more at this book. We're going to look at it a little closer. Um, we'll look at Paul and Timothy and We'll look at what it means to be a fellow laborer and a fellow soldier and different things as we go through this. And um, hopefully the Lord will challenge our hearts to be more compassionate, more understanding, and more merciful towards people. Because after all, I know we scored low on that anyway. But um, hopefully it'll be a challenge and a blessing to you. It's already been for me. And so hopefully it'll be, it'll be a good study for all of us. Let's close in prayer. Father, thank you for your love for us and your goodness to us. Thank you for the character of Philemon. Lord, I thank you for the way that you led Onesimus to Paul. Lord, help us realize that you lead people into our lives. And Lord, I pray you'd help me, help all of us to be compassionate, help us all to respond properly, and help us all respond the way we should so that way we can help the people you bring into our path. In Jesus' name, amen.